What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Oh my gosh, Ken, we survived. Barely. <laughs> snow again. It was <laughs> snow again here in Texas. <laughs> Tell me something, John. How many of our listeners that listen to us, you know, in Minnesota and Michigan and Iowa and South Dakota and North Dakota and Wisconsin are sitting there, hey, what the hell's the matter with you guys down there in Texas? Uh, it got a little cold for four or five days. We live months with this. And I'm sitting there, <laughs> my hats are off to y'all people. That's all I'll say. <laughs> my hats are, y'all are a hell of a lot tougher than we are in Texas. We damn near turned into a third world country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, um, the, the way that, uh, well, so like I grew up in, in this kind of climate where not me. It, yeah. When, when it snowed, it snowed and it stayed there for a month. And by the time it finally went through all of its stages and the last patch was about to melt, you'd get another foot of snow. And so, you know, I, there's a reason I kept moving further South. I wanted to get away from that kind of crap, mm -hmm. but yeah, we did, we did get some, uh, some remarks on social media and, uh, you know, going, Hey, uh, suck it up guys. You know, we, we deal with this for anywhere from three to six months of the year, depending on where they're at, you know, and uh, hmm. the big challenge for us, though, was we we normally will have maybe two or three days in a row where it might be below freezing, maybe. And those two mm -hmm. or three days may be spread out by, you know, weeks or months on end. Um, and some winters, we don't ever even go below freezing. So snow for oh, us yeah. is very rare. Um, to have three significant snowfalls and five consecutive snowstorms back to back within a seven day period is absolutely unheard of. We, uh, you heard on one of our previous episodes that we broke our all-time record for here in Austin on the amount of snow. And then we turned around and broke that because the first one was yep. just two inches of snow. This one was six and a half inches of snow on top of the previous two inches. Yeah. <laughs> plus a quarter of an had... inch. Yeah, I was going to say, we had, we had plus a quarter of an inch of ice the first time oh, before yeah. it snowed the six and a half inches. And then we ended up having another quarter of inch of ice and a couple more inches of snow after that and ended up spending a total of seven, actually eight, seven or eight consecutive days below freezing where the temperatures never went above freezing. And Texas had this bright idea, which in the long run would have been okay they were going to do rolling blackouts and everybody was going to take turns sharing the burden and they were only supposed to last for 40 minutes. And when they started the process, the first problem was that a lot of the backup generators and everything, once they went off, did not come back on. Yeah. And so the 40 minutes turned into three or four hours. Then they decided that they couldn't actually follow the rolling blackout plan because a lot of crucial infrastructure was part of that. So they ended up having to leave those things on so that our major hospitals and things like that could stay with power. And when they did, that meant that since how the blackouts didn't roll, the people that went without power stayed without power. Mm -hmm. And you, yeah. you guys were affected by that. Well, ours, what happened, there was so many people pulling, you know, using the power. Our substation went down at 1030 Sunday night, this last Sunday night. 
and it came back on at um, about noon Thursday yep. when we had electricity. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the ceiling, and the lights come on. And I jump up, my oh, happy days, oh, happy <laughs> days. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it felt like. I'm sitting there. Wow, we did turn into a third third world country. <laughs> yeah, um, and I I know I know how you felt. You uh, you were telling me that your your wing muscles were sore and tired oh, yeah. from trying to vibrate and stay warm. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you were in desperate need of a, a bath or a shower. Um, Still am. So you. You guys went down to, uh, you have cabins that had gas, like gas stoves yep. and heaters. We did. Yes. So you guys went camping basically yep. to, to stay warm and survive. Yep. That's what we did. We'd come yeah. up to the house and sleep and then, but we'd go to the cabins and live and stay, keep them hot, heated up. And, uh, we had cook stoves down there that were propane and, and, uh, we were using the cook stoves to heat the cabin too. So. We survived and uh, camped out. And I, I told my wife, I said, this is our vacation. She looked at me and says, really? I said, yeah, unless <laughs> you want to take a real vacation. She says, we may do that this year. I said, that would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. After after the way last year went and the way the last few months have gone here, um, I'm very much looking forward to a vacation. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't have a problem just disappearing for a week. I mean, how about... We're supposed to be in the seventies Wednesday. Well, we're supposed to get in the forties. Well, today I think in Monday. Is this a Monday show or is this a Thursday show? This is a Monday show. Oh yeah, Monday show. <laughs> so today we're supposed to hit mid to high fifties, I think. Oh, for you? Yeah, so, we're we're so. a little bit luckier down here in Austin. We our high today is actually so this is um what is it? This is Saturday that we're recording this. Um, mm-hmm. Our high today is actually supposed to be in the s- upper 50s for us. Yeah, and well, then yeah. Monday and Tuesday, we will be in the mid to upper 60s. And by Wednesday, yeah. we'll be at 70. Yeah, today we're we're supposed to just might get to 40, you know, 41 or two, what they're saying. And then tomorrow we will be in the Sunday, we'll be in the low 60s. Our low high fifties, maybe, maybe 60. And then Monday, Tuesday, it's supposed to be in the sixties. And then Wednesday, 75. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, uh, that's more normal for us for the end of February. That's, uh, more appropriate temperature. And, you know, again, we, we do have these little cold snaps every once in a while, but our infrastructure is not, not even remotely close to set up to be able to sustain it for more than a day or two. And when they did try to do the blackouts, then that uncovered all these other issues and the strain of everybody using so much energy, it got to the point where, you know, you made the joke about us almost turning into a third world country, but it's true. Um, People in New Zealand were watching Texas on the news uh, for two reasons. One, our Senator Ted Cruz, who bailed and left the state and then like bragged about it. And now all of a sudden is doing this about face where he's like, oh, but I got there and decided that, you know, I just felt really bad and I needed to come back. Yeah. BS, dude, you came back because of the backlash. Um, But that was actually on the news down in New Zealand and Texas. Literally, we were at the brink of the entire state going dark. Um, The power grid was stressed to its max with just a few individual things that were still left on. 
And if it were to have went off completely, the whole state would have went black and it would have been weeks to months before everybody got power back. So we were on the brink of that. And at the tail end, right as everything starts like looking good and they start turning some of the power back on, all of a sudden the entire city of Austin lost water. (laughs) So the whole city of Austin has been without water since Wednesday afternoon. So we've gone all day Thursday, all day Friday, and now we're into Saturday. Um, We did actually get water pressure starting to come back just today. So there is enough water now (laughs) that if you turn on the faucet, it doesn't just trickle. You actually get a stream of water out there. But everybody is on a boil water notice, and that is going to last probably into the early part of this week. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's just been, it's been absolutely insane And it's not anything that, you know, that we normally ever deal with. So all of your major cities, Dallas, Houston, Austin, those cities in Texas had serious power issues, serious water issues there. You know, anybody who did get to see it on like the national news, our mayor for Austin was on NBC nightly news last night. Um, (laughs) But anybody who did get to see it, you know, there were entire buildings that had turned into just massive ice blocks with yep. three or four inch thick things of ice around them because a pipe inside had burst, but the temperatures yep. inside were also so cold. And it, it was just, it was insanity. There was an apartment complex here in town that the water, like the main water main inside the building ruptured and mm-hmm. all of the water was coming down and it was coming down from above and flooding down into the main entrance, bust the front doors open and came down the front steps like a torrential rapids of a river And then that stuff was then going out into the streets and and freezing. The same thing happened in downtown Austin. One of the main water mains broke, blew water everywhere. And then all that water froze into several inches of solid ice. So they had from 8th, like 8th Street to 18th Street or something like that blocked off due to all of these issues of water mains breaking. And man, it was it was absolutely insane. Um, The stores were out of power for more than 36 hours. Most we still of them, get, we're getting groceries now today. They're supposed to open up HEBs from eight to five. No, eight to eight today. Well, that'll, that'll, that'll be nice because yeah, there was only two HEBs in the entire Austin Metroplex, one far up north and one far down south that were only open on select days for three or four hours. Mm-hmm. All of the produce was spoiled and gone. You couldn't get mm-hmm. anything out of any of the freezer sections or anything like that. So all of your meats, fruits, and veggies were done. Your drinks, your milks, your dairy, all that stuff was gone. The only thing you could do was dry goods and the shelves were basically empty. Mm -hmm. So add on top of the no electricity and then no water and now no food. And there hasn't been any type of delivery services through the entire, excuse me, through the entire state for this last week. There's been no mail. There's been no trash services. There's been no deliveries, no Amazon, no nothing. And no major shipping containers have been able to make it in to be put on semi trucks and trucked out to these places either. So there's no gas. There's no, at the fuel stations have no gas. There's no food in the stores. (laughs) Did you hear Bob from, uh, from Manhattan? Hey y'all, what y'all bitching about? We live through that all the time, man. Is that a, is that a Manhattan accent? I'm not was really sure. Manhattan or is that Bronx? I don't, yeah, I don't, Bronx. I don't know that that was either. <laughs> it was a, it was a Texas redneck wannabe. How's Rend- that? Rendition of, yeah. yeah. Texas yeah. version of, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but that, that's just the thing though. 
up in those northern climates where their infrastructure is actually designed for that because they do live in it for three plus months out of the year. And it's, you know, it gets down there and it stays down there. The infrastructure is designed for it and you guys can weather it and withstand it. And it does, it does okay. Now that's, if you remember back to our last main segment episode, we were talking about the polar vortex and we Mm -hmm. were talking about the colonies. It is the exact same thing. Your colonies Mm -hmm are weatherized they have plenty of food stores and they go into that winter cluster and they vibrate to generate that heat and they stay that way for those three to four to five months whereas down here ours don't they go into a winter cluster maybe once or twice or three times and it only lasts for a day or so and then the rest of the time they're out like my bees Mm -hmm. here in austin almost every day of the year they're out flying because our temperatures are 50 or above And, you know, if it's relieving flights or if it's actually going and looking for water or looking for food. And then for us, when our temperatures start coming up early, like you had already shown pictures of blue bonnets before this this massive freeze came in, um, those bees would be out foraging. They'd bring that back in. Anybody who had artificially stimulated their colonies or started feeding any type of pollen, those bees are going to start brooding up. And as we discussed, the brooding up requires a lot more energy, a lot more heat and a lot more food to keep that brood alive and that can cause a colony who may have had multiple frames of capped honey to burn through their food stores in a matter of days. So what we're looking at right now is a great unknown question mark. Now I will say, and the most absurd and random thing on Wednesday in the middle of all of this, mm-hmm. I got a phone call for a bee removal job. <laughs> They've been, they stayed in their house long enough. The bees started coming out where it was warm. <laughs> no, they were actually in the ground in a really? water main valve and really? the water to the house had ruptured. The house was, you know, ha- being flooded and there was water everywhere <laughs> and they needed to turn the water off and they could not get into the water box because they opened it and there was a living colony inside the water box and those were africanized (laughs) well they weren't very happy that somebody had opened up the lid to their little domain and it was only 18 degrees outside and they came out they were warm enough so they're in the ground they're insulated very thoroughly Mm -hmm. in the ground they're in a smaller container so the heat doesn't Mm -hmm. have to go very far and they were very much warm enough to fly (laughs) so they did come out and they flew out and there was some stings and the bees were flying around and they were like, what do we do? And I was like, well, I mean, first off, I can't get to you (laughs) where you're at. That's not going to happen. So I can't get out there and remove these bees and just leaving the top of it off. They're going to end up probably dying because now you have opened the top. The heat's going to come straight up. They're not going to be able to regulate and maintain that thermal temperature. So that's kind of where we're at with that scenario. And I understand, yes, your house has water going everywhere and you need to get them out of there. So if we would have went out there to do a removal, it was very unlikely that they would have survived the removal. If they did survive the removal, it's very unlikely they would have survived the rest of the week because they would have had very little food and no, or sorry, very little comb and no food after that removal process. So in that scenario, you know, I had to advise them of ways that they could quickly and humanely dispatch them and be able to get in there to turn their water off. Um, but the, the the upside to this story, though, is the fact that those bees were still alive, but they were down in the ground. Yeah. So a Langstroth colony down on the ground level, especially if anybody had the foresight to go through and insulate that colony, more than likely did okay weathering this. Now, top bar colonies, on the other hand, 
they're elevated off the ground and the wind can go all the way around them. And that makes it a little bit harder because that wind is yep. then going to pull the heat from that colony. And I typically insulate the last two years. Anyway, I have, um, I've insulated my top bar colonies with these about three quarter inch foam insulation, mm-hmm. the foam core insulation panel. Mm-hmm. This year, I did not do it. The only one I was able to make it to to do the insulating on was the one on top of the hotel, and that's a Langstroth colony. But I did not manage to get any of the top bars out at the apiary and the other locations insulated like we normally would. So my fear is that one of two things, or again, that double-edged sword where it's going to be hard to tell which was which, we're going to go out there and find that either they starved to death because they got mm-hmm. too cold, or mm-hmm. they were already brooding up and they burned through all their food and then starved to death. It's either the cold made them so cold they couldn't move to go get the food. And you'll figure that out because when you go check, if your colony's dead and all their butts are shoved down, or sorry, their heads are shoved down into the comb and their butts are sticking out and there's a big pile straight down below where the cluster would have been. And two frames later, there's solid capped food stores. That colony got too cold and could not move far enough to go get the food that it needed to provide the energy it needed to survive. And they died. If you look in the colony and all the food is gone and there's possibly capped brood and, and the bees are dead, then they overexerted themselves, ate all their food, burned through their food stores, and then still ended up succumbing to the cold and dying because they had no food to continue vibrating to stay warm. So unfortunately that could very well be a reality for a lot of people in the Southern States who are not used to or prepared for these types of events. And I think we'll lose the two top bars that I got up here and the one nuke that Max fixed. And I think, knock on wood, that I think that's all we'll lose. And not sure about the nuke because Max wrapped it really good. So we got uh, got our hopes. That's it. So as pl- there was plenty of stores in there because we put a bunch of honey in there. Uh, it was a five-frame nuke box. He put them in. It was about a frame of bees and about four frames of stores for them. So just uh, see what happens. Now, can we look at them by Sunday and see, will they be flying Sunday if it hits, you know, uh, close to 60? And we can just check and see if they're going in and out of the, the, the hives, the colonies. Um, yes, absolutely. You So anytime the temperatures between 50 and 60 even, they'll start doing their relieving flights. And even if you have colonies that have some of that Russian or Carliolan genetics that are a mm-hmm. little bit more suited for the cold, they mm-hmm. may even come out above 40 and, and fly to get water or do their relieving flights. So today you may actually see a little bit of activity. At the very okay. least, you may see them dragging bodies out and throwing them out of the colony, you know, to get rid of the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, tomorrow you should absolutely see some activity at the entrances. And then by Monday, it should be back to kind of business as usual for all of our colonies here in the Southern States. So what you can do is even though it might be a little bit too cold still to open them, because we don't want to cause more damage than has already happened. If they can make it for two more days, then, you know, that would be better. We want to wait until it's above 70 to do a true inspection on the colony, but you can do a, a cursory kind of, go and check, you know, your front porch beekeeping style, you can go and check the entrances of the colonies and get a really good idea which ones are still alive and which ones aren't. Because if you sit there for a couple of minutes and you watch and you don't see a single bee come in and out of that colony, 
that's a good chance that they're maybe very, very weak or they may have yeah. already died out. Yeah. Um, but if you're watching and you see a bee coming and going every minute or so, then that colony is still alive. If you see a lot of activity, then they're, they're really good. Um, but you can kind of get an idea based on that. And that might be something that this weekend that I attempt to go do. I know that I'm not going to be able to make it to the backside of the apiary because of mm-hmm. all of the snow oh, and, yeah. and the ice and everything that dry Creek bed is going to be uh, wet, soggy clay at this point. Mm-hmm. So I can at least check the top bars, which I keep all the top bars at the front of the apiary instead of the back for that very mm-hmm. reason. They need more, more attention. And in the wet season and the rainy season, which will be coming up on here soon um, in the times that I can't get to the back 40 acres, all the Langstroths are back there. That way I don't have to worry as much about cross combing and, and things along those lines. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I might try to get that out there and, and get that done as well and take a look and then maybe uh, on the bonus episode, we can update everybody on Thursday what we found and get a, a general idea. And then by next Monday's episode, we should definitely have an idea of what has occurred and be able to go through and, and kind of talk about, you know, what we lost and, and what we, we saw or didn't see and and just kind of see see how it goes from there. <laughs> yeah. Now, if somebody does an inspection... And yes, there is bees coming in and out. And they'd have hit 70 and you crack the inner cover. You pull the top box off, crack the inner cover, look in there, and then just just lift the frames just a hair to see. And you don't find any, you got a lot of bees in the box, but you don't find any stores left. Can you put dry sugar on top or a sugar cake or something like that and keep that bunch of going till it gets warm and flowers start? Yeah. yeah. And so it's going to depend on your area and your region. But if you're in an area that is far enough south where your average temperatures are going to be above 60 degrees henceforth, then you can actually start feeding a sugar solution if you wanted to. If you're in an area where your temperatures are still below 60 degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm then you can feed the solid sugar versions, be that the sugar camp or candy board or candy brick or, or kind of whichever you want to do there. Um, you can, you can go through and put those on there and it will still give the colony that carbohydrate they need, the energy that they need to vibrate and to fly and to do their other activities. So that will kind of be a stopgap. Anybody that does choose to start feeding liquid though, if you do a two to one solution, that's going to be a little bit better because it is thicker. It's going to add less moisture to your colony, especially in times where it still could dip down colder at night. Um, and it's not going to, it's going to encourage, but not be as encouraging to rear brood. But if you do the one to one sugar solution, that is absolutely going to encourage them to start rearing brood. And from that point forward, you have to continue feeding them. If that's the choice you're going to make and that's the route you're going to go, you have to continue feeding them until you actually have a nectar flow in your area because you'll stimulate them to raise a bunch of bees. And even though the temperatures aren't going to be that cold, they're going to have a high demand for food. And if you feed them for two or three weeks and then all of a sudden decide to quit, they've suddenly got multiple frames of brood that all need food. And now there's no food and there's no food naturally occurring in their environment. And that is something that Natalie touched on whenever we talked to her a couple of weeks ago. And it is something that she will likely touch on again here on that first episode on March 1st to the first one of the month. Um, She will likely go through and kind of reiterate some of that. But if you allow them to do what is natural for them based on their area and you do not intervene or get involved, then they're going to go at the pace that they need. 
mm-hmm. you're purposely trying to artificially stimulate them for other purposes so that you can do splits or raise bees or, you know, whatever your motive is, um, maybe you're a commercial beekeeper, maybe you're somebody who's got other plans and there's a reason that you need to do that, then just keep in mind, once you start, you cannot stop. Mm-hmm. You must continue that process of the steady incoming food supply up until the time that they have enough food naturally available for them to go out there and get it. Yeah. And you know, with the commercial guys here that are are down in the Valley, the Valley got hit hard. Uh, I was listening on some of the news talk shows uh, off of WAI and there's people down there that had, you know, 70% of their grapefruit crop still on the trees, froze solid, late oranges froze solid. Looks like it even killed trees. It just froze them. So, uh, yeah, uh, one thing we're going to see, vegetables and fruits are going to go crazy. Price of gas is getting going to go up, uh, you know, because they shut down refineries down in Port, uh, Port Arthur. The largest refinery in the nation, they shut it down. In fact, there was two of them there. They shut both of them down. And that one was doing a million barrels of oil a day, turning it into fuel. Saying, uh, yeah, and then they shut down the, the, the pipeline coming from Canada. And I won't get into it. <laughs> as y'all know, I'm a con- I figured it out. I probably I am a conservative, and that's all I'll say. well you know you don't have much choice when mother nature says we're gonna freeze everything solid so yeah that's true yeah they they didn't do it just to do it they did it because generators failed supply lines froze like you know they they had problems they couldn't keep up and keep going so it was safer to do that but um but yeah i mean it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky kind of trying to dig out of all of this and even though here we're starting to warm up the sun is shining today everything is Mm -hmm. melting there's only a couple of very small patches of snow and ice left in the yards yep. and on, and on the yep. roofs. Um, yep. But for the most part, it's all gone. And that's awesome because by the time you listen to this, it will all be gone. But that yes. also means that everybody's pipes are thawing out and people that didn't already know they had a leak are now going to experience that they have leaks. And, you know, they they can get out now and start getting to the areas where they need to repair the major lines and repair the transformers and the power lines and the stations and all that stuff. So, Everything will slowly start coming back in. But yeah, you you should expect, you know, the prices of things are, are probably going to go up or you may find mm-hmm. things that are scarce because those late winter crops got frozen and yep. they normally wouldn't, but they did. So hopefully, you know, again, I don't know. Um, I know that my colonies, when we went into winter, they were sitting pretty. They were doing amazing. I, oh, I did a check. Yeah. Uh, the one video that I posted on social media, I checked one of the top bars that had the observation window and that top bar still had eight solid comb of capped honey in the back of that hive. Wow. And it had a very robust, healthy colony in the front of it. Now, the problem, though, again, is I didn't wrap any of those top bars and they only have that mm-hmm. three quarter inch wood, which is very mm-hmm. thin and doesn't provide a lot of R value, a lot of actual insulative value to it. So. Mm-hmm. They could have stayed warm and did well, but not been able to make it to the back to get that food. They could have had too many babies in there and had to feed them and burn through all the food. Like it's going to be really interesting to see. And I'm I'm kind of bracing myself for due to weather related events that were completely unthought of. Um, this year could possibly be the highest loss rate that I've ever had. 
And I've made it through years where I didn't lose any colonies whatsoever. So this, this could be a devastating turn of events, but I won't know uh, until it warms up enough that I can get out there and go look. I had a guy call me. He he's, follows me on my Facebook. He's an insurance guy. He says, Ken, we should, we should insure your colonies. You can't. I says, what? Yeah. He's, he, he says, we insure bees. Yeah, they, 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 they can't. So what they insure is the boxes. They will not insure the bees themselves, and they will not insure the honey that is left inside the colony. If your insurance policy, like I have over a million-dollar insurance policy. Mm-hmm. It's $2 million policy is what we carry. Mm-hmm. Um, the honey is only covered if it has been extracted and is sealed in a container. If it is still in the colony, it does not count. The bees do not count. The woodenware is all that counts on your insurance policies. And it depreciates over time because it wears out. So say a flood comes through and wipes it out or a fire comes through and wipes it out. The Mm -hmm. only thing you will be compensated for is between a hundred to maybe $200 for the woodenware and nothing else. It doesn't matter if it was July and you had 300 pounds of honey on that hive and it went up in flames or washed away. You will not be compensated for that honey or the bees, just the wood. Okay. I got plenty of boxes, so I ain't worried about them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was kind of my deal because when we first went in and started looking at the insurance requirements and building out the policy that first year, I did have all of the hives accounted for and, you know, each individual box and they were all numbered and it was all part of the insurance policy. And then when we went to do the renewal and they upped the rates on everything and I was kind of scrutinizing it, I was going back through and I was looking and I had a very long and lengthy in-depth conversation with our insurance provider. And I was like, so in the event that there is a fire or a flood, which is extremely unlikely where my bees are at most of the time in that event, the only thing I'm going to get compensated for is maybe a hundred bucks per hive. Maybe. <laughs> and that's if the hive was new. Just to cover the boxes. Yeah. If it frames, was new, if it was it. something that I had claimed on the policy the year before, and it's only a year old. If it was five years old, I might only get 50 bucks a hive because it depreciates in value because the wooden yep. wear wears out. So yep. I was like, are you freaking serious? <laughs> no. So I took that off my policy because yeah. If it's only going to cover the honey when it's extracted and it's only going to cover the woodenware, well, then all that stuff is already covered. Yep. <laughs> so now, I didn't need to have the individual hives covered. One thing I want to ask our listeners, and they'll probably be sending you the reply. Of course. <laughs> oh, and he's gone entirely. Oh, no. All right, so we'll have to wait on him to attempt to call back in. I'm not sure if uh, phone died or internet went out um, or he lost signal. Everything is still very touch and go here. Let's see if we can get him back on the line here. Hey, there we go. There you are. Now we're back. <laughs> so, um mm-hmm. I don't remember what we were talking about <laughs> now that there's been, if for recording time purposes, there, there, you know, only was maybe a few seconds of a gap, but in, in real world time, that was a, a good five, 10 minute gap there. <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't know what happened, but anyway, but it just, oh, things failed here and quit and, and <laughs> gas plants and coal plants and, and water plants and, 
Oh, they even turned the nuclears back, the nukes back on down on the coast. Did you see that? I did not see that. Oh yeah. The nukes down there around Houston, they turned those back on. They had turned those off, I think. And so I don't know, this is going to probably create a bunch of jobs. Possibly. I don't know. Uh, all I want to do is, and I thanked all of our linemen, the people that were out there busting their butts in this cold, driving around, looking at the lines and getting electricity back. I want to thank all of them, the people that were out there doing their work, doing their job. Now, the companies that were making the money, I won't go there. I'll just stop at that. But Or the, uh, work, or the uh, legislative people who ran away to warm climates and left us all here to freeze. <laughs> How do you know when a politician is lying? And if His any mouth is moving. You got it. His lips are moving. That's how you know when a politician is lying. That's End right. The story. Their mouth is moving. Yeah. Yep. And that's well, stop there. So, uh, <laughs> so we know that uh, over the course of the next day or two, um, we both should go out and, and yep. do those initial checks and to see if we can see movement activity and flying. And then mm-hmm. maybe on, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, um, there is supposed to also be a lot of rain coming our way specifically down here. Yeah. So God, it, like it's going to stay chance. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. like Wednesday is going to be up into the seventies, like you said, mm-hmm. but then Thursday high is going to be like 56 because we have another cold front with rain, yep. but it's going to yep. stay rain and it's not yep. going to turn into, you know, ice and snow. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we're done. Um, normally we would be done. We only have, and I, I've said it repeatedly this year was just an exemplary <laughs> mark of that, <laughs> but I've said it repeatedly Every year in February, we have out of nowhere, this random cold front that'll come through and happen. Mm-hmm. And that will cause, you know, these types of issues. It happened this year because it seems to happen every year, but it happened this year on an epic scale. Usually it is two or three days and it causes a lot of problems. This was, like I said, eight days solid in a row. And so the problems are obviously intensified, and magnified, but there was one instance last year, though, where we had a random cold snap in March, and I'm hoping yeah, that doesn't occur. Yeah. I'm really hoping that we end up making it all the way through this, and we're just done, and we can start moving on with spring and spring prep, and uh, and on the next episode, next Monday's episode, hopefully, uh, unless she is still impacted by these weather-related issues, we should have a little segment from Natalie from the natural beekeeping perspective on kind of how to go through and get started with spring and spring preparation and the things that you should consider and do from a natural perspective. I also, one of those things I've been doing since I've been locked in the house, I've been cooking. I have a scone recipe that is killer and it's all honey, no sugar. And I, I've made it twice and my wife says she loves scones. So, she said, wow, this is good. I said, bingo, I got it. It's time to see what sticky situations Ken can get himself into while combining that golden honey goodness into his sweet and savory creations. Welcome to Ken's Cooking Corner. And we're going to talk about a scone. It is a sour dried sour cherries pecan and white chocolate scone that i perfected during the snowageddon that we had 
uh, because we were all locked in the house. By the way, I think I put weight on, by the way, because I was doing so much cooking. But I put on okay. seven pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand. I wasn't getting out, working out and walking and doing everything that I do. And, you know, just sitting at the house and and eating. That's what I was doing. But yeah, uh, when I get bored, I get the munchies. And usually yeah. I am constantly on the go and I would really prefer to be outside. And so mm-hmm. sitting in the house with nothing to do, I was finding all kinds of things to snack on or make and mm-hmm. then eat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Sorry, snacks, anyhow. <laughs> snacks are not good for weight loss unless you're eating lettuce and celery <laughs> so yeah but uh okay get you a piece of paper get you a pencil okay now i'll give you a little time okay three and a half cups of white all-purpose flour two and a half sticks of butter now you can l- put this out and warm it or you can cut it in cold whichever you prefer I did it both ways and it worked just as well either way. Then you cut that together or mix it. If it's you know warm butter, you can get in there and start with the spoon or just get your hands in there and just squash it together. Now, oh, I got ahead of myself. Okay. In the flour, put a good pinch of salt in there. Then you'll put uh, your, your a teaspoon of soda, two teaspoons of bacon powder then you will put you know then you can mix that together then you put your butter in there mix that in then what i used was a yogurt a plain yogurt unflavored just i put about well you can watch it as you put it in there you want it to get to a a a heavy dough you know, not when, once it loses a sticky, that's good. Put your yogurt in there, stir that in, then put your, now this is one thing. If you're going to use nuts and such as that, be sure to cut your butter, mix your butter, all of your, all of your butters and oils and, with the flour. Then you put your white chocolate and I put a cup of white chocolate drops in there i put a cup of coarsely chopped pecans in it and i put a cup and a half of coarsely chopped in fact i don't even think i chopped them the dried cherries dried sour cherries mix that together then i put two-thirds a cup of honey and you can put a little more if you want it a little sweeter but two-thirds cup of honey was a good Uh, dough then mix that all together and then what I did was I took wax paper put a little flour on the wax paper dumped all of that dough onto the wax paper then farmed a brick with it just farm a brick wrap it up in the wax paper then score it about oh every half inch three quarters of an inch with a knife then I put it in the freezer, just stuck it in the freezer, let it freeze solid. Next morning, pull it out. Okay, you have your scores there where it's three-quarters of an inch. Cut it. Cut it right there. Then take that, cut it a diagonal, make a like a triangle out of it or something like that. Put that on your cookie sheets. Cook about 25 minutes at 350 degrees. When they're good and brown, take them out. 
I took confectionery sugar. That's the only sugar I used. I, you know, I should have perfected how to make a, a drizzle out of honey and uh, honey for my drizzle. Would that have dried, John, if I had put honey on top of it, honey uh, and water and see uh, like a rum extract? Would that have dried like the, sh- the sh- confectionery sugar? Would it have made an icing? Yeah, it'll it'll kind of make a a sticky like it'll be dry, but it'll be sticky. It won't be uh, crunchy. Okay, okay. I used like a couple of teaspoons of confectionery sugar. A few drops of rum extract. Now you can use vanilla. You can use lemon. I made them with lemon. Uh, in fact, I made a raspberry scone and used the lemon extract in it. Oh God, that was good. Uh, then I used to thin the confectionery sugar. I used cream, a full whipping cream, just a pure cream put just a little in there enough to make it where you can take a spoon and pick it up and it pours out took those scones after they cooled off drizzled that all over the top oh oh, oh, man you talk about good but i gotta come up with a icing for those using honey that might work it will work (laughs) works better if you take your microphone off mute (laughs) Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was trying to talk to you, and I was like, "Oh, whoops, my bad." Um, no, that uh, yeah, coming up with a a honey icing to go on the top of it or a glaze or something would be would be pretty mm-hmm. good too. Um, but no, that's that's uh, that's pretty good. Um, good luck for anybody who is trying to follow along with that. <laughs> yeah, I should have had it wrote down. I just got that off the top of my head real quick. Well, that's all right. I mean, it wasn't like you didn't have other things going on this week to distract you. <laughs> you so. hear the bird, yeah, I know. Uh, but they were good. I mean, now I will tell you, don't eat a bunch of them because they will put uh, a little weight on you. But, oh, I mean, way, you know, scum. <laughs> <laughs> you can cook them on top on a pan too. You don't have to just cook them in the in the oven. Scones were made in you know they originated in England in the UK, and they were made to cook on a skillet, and they would be a hard brown on both sides. And uh, I've even done some that way, and they are good. You know, if you like a good crispy biscuit or a good crispy cookie try your scones on a on a grill or a cast iron skillet they're good <laughs> i'll quit <laughs> i'm hungry now i know <laughs> well, <laughs> the next one i'm working on i really haven't thought for next month but i'm i'm well, that's okay I'm, you got I'll four weeks to figure it out oh yeah I, I well, you got three weeks. You got three weeks to figure it out, and then one week to put it together and and have it for yeah. the show. <laughs> I think I'm gonna probably make a cake. I have enough recipes. Uh, that ain't no big deal. Uh, I just it, I just got to figure out. You know, the recipe I just gave you was a Martha Stewart's recipe off of YouTube that I took the sugar out and replaced it with with honey. If you want to use a regular recipe that you find somewhere and it says to use a cup of sugar 
instead of using a cup of sugar, use two-thirds a cup of honey because honey is sweeter than sugar. Now, you may have to back up, have to put a little more flour in because honey will make it thinner because honey is a will flow where sugar doesn't flow you know it's yeah even though honey is 18 percent or less moisture content that's still 18 percent more moisture than dried sugar and so you are adding extra uh liquid to a recipe and therefore you you may have to compensate by like you said additional flour or you know taking a liquid out like if it asks for X amount of milk or water, maybe you take a tiny little portion of that out to kind of balance out what the liquid be, would be in the honey. So sometimes it can be trial and error until you get a good feel for yep. it. And it is, it is. But the yogurt in that, the what I had, it just said use milk and I have plenty of yogurt. And so I said, I'm using yogurt. Oh man, that makes them so good. And yogurt and buttermilk is pretty close to the same. So. I like buttermilk and I like plain yogurt. That's why we got so much. <laughs> oh God. There was a song when I was growing up, that buttermilk biscuits. And then when you said that, that's what went rolling through my head. <laughs> oh, you know, that's something I'm thinking about doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I like, I like buttermilk biscuits. Now, once I learned how to make these scones and freeze them, I'm sitting there. Why in the hell don't I just make a tube of buttermilk biscuits make the dough just like i did with the scones and then cut it an inch thick you know a round tube just cut them put them on the on the on the uh you know your your cooking sheet your cookie sheet slide them in the oven and cook them when they get brown they're done they will rise everything because that's what these scones are basically a scone dough is nothing but a sweet biscuit dough and that's what you know they are. They call them biscuits, even in the UK. But uh, yeah, but they call cookies biscuits. They call everything a damn biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I may come up. You know what I might do is come up with a kolache recipe using a honey. Oh, that would be good. Using a honey. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at all of this. This uh, vanilla extract I've been working on. I've got Mexican vanilla extract. I've got Ugandan vanilla extract. I've got Tahitian vanilla extract. I've got Indonesia vanilla extract. I've got Madagascar vanilla extract. And I'm sitting there, oh, I may have to make a vanilla, like a Tahitian vanilla extract filling for a kolache you know like a cheese make it a sour cream or make it a cream cheese with a tahitian vanilla uh extract with a little bit of honey in the cream cheese and make that the filling for the uh kolache oh that sounds almost ooh, that sounds good i ought to put about five pounds on my rear end <laughs> I might have gained a pound or two just listening to you talk about food for this long. Um, So my, my only challenge to you is going to be that the honey has to be a part of the recipe and preferably replaces the sugar. It cannot just be a topping. And I'm not saying you said that. Oh no, it's going to replace the sugar and the, and the kolache, the, the bread. Yeah, it will. That's no big deal. I just want to make the. That'd be my only thing. Cause, cause like uh, making Uh a biscuit, 
and then putting honey on top of it does not constitute <laughs> a honey no, recipe. No, 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 <laughs> no. I just, you know, you can buy frozen biscuits. And I never thought about until after I started making these scones, hell, I can make my own biscuits, roll them up in a ball in a tube, cut them and cook them and make my, I don't have to have, I don't have to buy frozen biscuits anymore. I can just cut them and put That's them on a cookie true. sheet and cook them. That is very true. Mm -hmm. You yes, may have to tell indeed. Kevin to start making his bread like that. He might make a frozen bread. Hmm. By the way, I tell him I'm out of bread. <laughs> Kevin hasn't baked um, in about two months for wow. obvious chaotic reasons. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So I thought about it I actually understand. during during all this weather and, and everything going on. Um you know, telling him, Hey, you need to, you need to get them fires going and start cranking mm -hmm. out some bread. And at the very least we could have walked it through the neighborhood and, and given it to people here in the local area. Cause nobody wouldn't have been able to travel to pick it up. Like when COVID was going on. No. So, um, but yeah, we, uh, we did talk about that kind of stuff. So it just, uh, probably will be in another few days, four or five days before any, any substantial baking or anything like that will resume and commence. Um, but no, I, yeah. uh, you know, that's one thing I noticed here in Texas with this snow again, people pulled together and started helping people, you know, people would go over, Hey, you need, uh, we had a plenty of eggs. So I'd go over to the neighbor. Hey, you got plenty of eggs because you couldn't, there was no grocery trucks running. Well, they wasn't coming out here to the convenience store. No, I'm out of eggs. Well, here, I got a dozen or two here. Here's your dozen. And you know, they may go and have a bunch of venison pork sausage, uh, venison and pork sausage. They'd give you a pound or two of sausage. So here we, I have plenty of sausage, got plenty of eggs. I got breakfast, got scones, take somebody some warm scones. And, you know, it was so wonderful to see people, how people pulled together. Uh, I call it on my radio show, Texans helping Texans. And that was the, that was the greatest thing that came out of all of this. It's people helping people. Yeah, that's uh, that is one of the things that's what Kevin originally started doing when COVID first happened this time last year. And, you know, the grocery stores ran out of food and there was no supplies or anything. He started a little network where he went through and through his baked crumb business, he went through and started sourcing, you know, hey, if you have extra yeast or you have extra flour or you have extra salt, um, you know, let me know. And if you're willing to donate it, then we'll turn it into bread for anybody that needs it. And then the people that would donate in the stuff, they got, you know, actual baked goods back mm -hmm. that had been created from all these different donations. And he ended up setting up a little stand and uh, had a little roadside stand out there for anybody. Literally, it was, you know, kind of a community bake stand, but it was anybody who was willing to come by. You just had to get on there and sign up and say that you wanted to come and pick up whatever it was. He had, he did cookies, he did two different types of bread, um, had all kinds of cool little things going on with it. And, you know, he would have a list. I'm going to make 50 loaves and he did it twice a week. And anybody who needed, needed the bread or needed the food could sign up on the list and he'd have one ready for him out there. Um, it's really cool to see people going through and doing that. We had a few neighbors that, uh, you know, made sure they actually had snow shovels and they made sure to go out and shovel off the driveways for any of the elderly people in the neighborhood, make sure their sidewalks and driveways were all nice and clear and didn't have snow and ice on it. So it is really good to see people, come together as a community and, and not be so 
self-centered and focused on on themselves that you know they get out there and actually help other people that's great oh you mean like politicians that went to new went to mexico like people that ran away to cancun <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, uh, Cancun are, 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 what's the other place? I'm pretty sure he went to Cancun. Oh, okay. Both of them. Yeah. And, and our Senator. <laughs> yes. So it was really funny because the, uh, the listener that wrote in and was talking about how, you know, it's really a bad sign whenever New Zealand has, uh, Texas on the news, the way that it was phrased was great because it was, <laughs> When, you know, when a senator absconds in his last scene wearing a Hawaiian shirt <laughs> on their way to a tropical island, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah, that was that was great. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll get in there. Yeah, well, I don't know. We I can, just hope uh, 2021 doesn't try to beat 2020. That's all I'm hoping. Yeah, it's not a contest. We're we're good. 2021 <laughs> already. 2020-WON1 this event yeah. already. We don't need to have a repeat in 2021. We don't need to see if we can outdo it. We just need to call it good and uh, and be done with it. So yep. uh, anyhow, sir, I guess on that note, we should go ahead and, and wrap it up and uh, be talking to everybody out there, all of our patrons and friends and family on Patreon. We'll be talking to you on Thursday. So sorry that you did not get an episode last week. We did not have electricity. So, um, mm -hmm. but everybody else, you will have another main segment episode coming up on Monday, March 1st. And uh, God willing, we will have Natalie on there for her first segment and we'll talk with everybody then. Family, y'all stay well, stay healthy. Check on the elderly. Check on your neighbors. Go see everybody's doing well. Keep the shiny side up and the rubber side down check on your bees slick roads out there and check <laughs> on your bees make sure that they're in good shape and what if it gets warm enough that you can crack the inner cover and look in there and just lift them and see if there's any store but it's not put a little sugar up on top not a little sugar either a brick or now you, they can take like wax paper put up there slice it a little bit pour just dry sugar up there and, and put it back down can they not yeah, but this late in the year, you, you do want to mist it just a little bit with a little bit of moisture when you do that. Okay. Okay. Family, thank y'all so very much. We appreciate it. Y'all stay healthy, safe, and take care of your bees. <laughs> That's right. Be good, everybody. Bye-bye. The show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves.